Uh, yeah, it was also surprising for me that not 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 more studies um, have been done. And I think a lot of people are investing, um, yeah, a lot of time and research to, to do this kind of research. But it also requires a lot of collaboration and multidisciplinarity. Welkom bij de Surf AI Innovator podcast. De podcast waarin we kijken naar wat we kunnen met artificiële intelligentie en machine learning in het onderwijs en het onderzoek. Mijn naam is Thomas van Nimbergen en ik zit hier met mijn collega's Duc Baten. Hey Duc. Hallo, goedendag Thomas. Zit in. Mooi, mooi. En uh, Andres Steijert. Hey Andres. Hallo allemaal. Hi Thomas. Hi Duc. En uh, nou, vandaag is onze gast uh, Nadia Metoui, postdoc onderzoeker aan de Universiteit van Amsterdam. En we gaan het gesprek in het Engels voeren, so I'm switching to English now. Uh, Nadia, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure Thank you very to have much. you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, Nadia, um, you, were, you were part of a video uh, Uva did together with Surf on AI. And... Um, in that video, you introduced your research project. And if I'm, I'm going to summarize this, you make um, manipulative videos, or no, I should say you manipulate videos of politicians. Yeah. So they will say weird stuff. And then uh, this technology is called deep fake. And then you measure the effect of these videos on people and audiences who are not aware that it's fake. So this is potentially very, can have a very large impact on our society. And uh, also, especially if you use it in a political session, uh, setting. So I was going to ask, um, be, uh, please explain your research, what you're doing, and maybe start by uh, explaining uh, what exactly a deep fake is, because it might not be something everyone is aware of. Sure. So, uh, yeah, a little bit about uh, my research in, in, in broad um, terms. So I work within a multidisciplinary team uh, at the University of Amsterdam within a, a research initiative called ICDS, or Information Communication and the Data Society. And it's a collaboration between uh, several faculties uh, and research groups, including the Amsterdam School of Communication Research, ASCOR, and the Institute of Information Law, EVIR, uh, at the University of Amsterdam. So um, my work also takes place in uh, studying the impacts of um, yeah, the personalized communication, which is um, any type of communication where the source of information of, or a message collects uh, data about individuals uh, and, uh, let's say, tailors the message to have a, more impacts, let's say, in, in the receiver. And this is more and more emerging um, and frequent um, phenomenon in, in, in the um, digital world where we live in, where big data and uh, data-driven algorithms are more and more present. Uh, so um, why we got interested in, in, in deep fakes, um, which can be used to produce a type of... Um, let's say fake news, uh, but has more uh, is more stimulant and has more impacts on receivers in theory. And that's what we wanted to, to, to know and study. So a colleague approached me uh, two years and a half ago and he asked me, do you know what is a deep fake? I said, no. He said, can we make it? I said, 
we can definitely try. So you uh, made deep fakes uh, just to... Yes, uh, I, I I made one, and we are planning to make more. And my colleagues and maybe for the for the for the sorry for interrupt for the audience no a, a deep fake. If what what do we need to know or what? Because I saw a video on the on the NOS of uh, I think um, blocking all his name from the CDA. Uh, yes, Buma Sibran Buma. Yes, exactly. And he was saying stuff. So maybe you can explain yeah. a bit what what exactly that is and and what you do with that absolutely so uh on the on the question what is a deep fake um so if you google a little bit i guess the the, the uh, definition you will get is it's a uh, a, com a combined word that uh, that is composed of deep for deep learning which is a set of machine learning techniques and uh fake which is not not real um so our own definition or my own definition of that is uh, an artificial intelligence generated synthetic media where real or fake entities are staged in fake circumstances. So you can have a, a, a real person and a real politician, in our case, Sibrin Buma, and make him or her say unreal things uh, that, that they never said, basically. And what we did is make uh, Buma um, say a joke, and then we showed it to um, to potential voters, uh, and in order to assess whether it changed, whether first of all they um, believed it was real or not, and then whether it changes uh, anything in their political attitudes. So. Um, does it impact negatively the image of the person, the image of their political party? And um, we, we, did, we did not do it yet, but also uh, ideally to assess if their vote intention will change or not after after seeing this video. Um, yeah, Nadia, so. was it convincing? Did people believe this? Uh, yes, surprisingly so. <laughs> and. Uh, if I, if I recall correctly, we did the experiment with around 278 people um, from whom the majority answered it was credible and then around 12 people answered it was not credible. And when we asked a little bit more, they said, oh, this is edited or taken out of its context. But very few people, um, yeah, I dare say two or three said it was a, a deep fake. So the technology is being used, or let's put it this way, um, it's potentially a technology that can be used to influence how people perceive uh, someone and therefore uh, also influence their opinion of this person. So people are already doing that with or without the technology. We have a lot of uh, uh, things that, let's say, are, are used to kind of steer opinions and influence people and so on but what is interested with what is interesting with deepfake is that um let's say it stimulates several senses so you have the audio you have the image and so on deepfake video sorry because the audio deepfakes are also deepfakes um, and what is interesting to study here as well is um, different contexts, for instance, can we um, leverage, let's say, uh, confirmation biases and take people who are already polarized uh, or already believe in conspiracy theories and kind of confirm their beliefs with a very convincing form of, um, 
of, of multimedia, which is the fake videos. Uh, it's also interesting to study the deep fakes in the context of targeted messages. So you tailor the message you want according to, um, in order to achieve a maximum uh, impact on certain type of categories. Um, so for instance, using emotions such as fear or uh, hate or, and so on to, to kind of be more convincing and more manipulative in this sense. And this is something you can do with, with a deep fake. Yeah, I think there are so many interesting aspects. So that's why we are thrilled to have you in this, in this podcast. It's about the impact. You, you know a lot about this. And it's also about how do you actually create this? How difficult is it to create a deep fake like this? Do you have more information about this? How do you, how do you construct a deep fake? What are the ingredients? So if you, um, if you take the definition of Wikipedia of what is a deep fake, then uh, I think everybody is already creating deep fakes. For instance, every time they use their Snapchat filter. This is how, how easy and how accessible it is to create a deep fake. But so we are, the answer is yes, we are already doing it. Uh, but then to create a very good and persuasive deep fake like we tried to do, I think you need a little bit more investment uh, in, um, in, in infrastructure, uh, including uh, GPUs. Um, it, it, you need to collect images and videos about your victim or your target, uh, which is more and more possible, especially if it's a public figure um, and, and even individuals, the way we exhibit our lives on social media and so on. Uh, so uh, that is becoming more and more possible, but also the technical part. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting more and more democratized and more and more accessible even for people who do not have necessarily a lot of technical knowledge. Um, is it already uh, at the point that there is a company offering this as a sort of commodity service uh, where um, mm -hmm. obviously it, it's possible on a technical sense, people might do it at home, but uh, is it already buy, uh, to buy? To, yeah, to yeah that's that a very way. good question. Um, so speaking again of the ingredients, uh, I, th I think there are two two things we need to consider when speaking about deep fake is the deep footage or video and the uh, deep fake voice. Uh, so I think the advances in terms of images and video footage and faking video footages um, are let's say quicker than advances in audio. Um, I'll call it cloning, which is one technique uh, of, of faking um, voices or faking speech. Uh, but in terms of voice cloning, I know that there are already companies that are offering this kind of services um, to, for instance, the entertainment the entertainment industry. Um, I think Lyrebird is one service that you could uh, use. So what they're offering is to clone your own voice uh, from saying, a, I think, five or ten um sentences and you're able to create your voice avatar um yeah other there is a company I'm, I'm in contact with right now but I, I cannot recall the name they also offer this kind of services to um, again mostly to the to the entertainment industry um 
and I think they have pretty spectacular results. And uh, now in terms of images, I don't think a, 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 such a paid service exists. But again, like Snapchat filters are are one manifestation of this. Um, um, I think there is also an aging and an anti-aging app. So there are a lot of apps that are doing already this uh, image manipulation. And yeah, I think in the in the very near future, we will we will see this kind of services um, being offered. I I have Snapchat and I use all the filters, and yeah. it's, I think it's great. So yeah, and we are using uh, deepfake on a daily basis. Yes. Now, now so, we learned something from you, uh, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, if you don't if you don't know it, you should. Uh, you can spend an evening just making faces at your phone. So, but, <laughs> but uh, no. So there's a good side to deepfakes, right? I mean, it's used in the entertainment industry, but the bad side is also showing itself. Um, so how do you predict this is going to go in, in the future? So now you say it's, 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 it, the messages are too short or it, it's, it's like limited and people are still not convinced. So what, what's, what's your vision on, on where this will be in, in 10 years time? Uh, I think it will be available and easily usable and accessible to a lot of people generating uh, IA generate. Uh, media at least and uh, then whether we will call them deepfake or another name is, is a different issue and i think also uh both the bad the bad side the bad effects and the good effects um will still be here and very democratized so more and more people will be able to home produce it let's say one step back to your research um mm -hmm. There you show that it actually has an effect on people. Uh, you said it was not that pronounced, I think, uh, when I looked at your paper or, or at the paper your group did. We cannot um, be conclusive yet. Um, but it, it is getting, yeah. I, I mean, there were differences and it, it's it's going in a certain direction. Um, wh how is this, what's the result of your research or how is the result of your research, these findings, what's, what's being done with it? Is it stirring up? politics or is it are people uh, springing to action because what 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 you find can you comment on that yeah. so uh, i have to say something before answering this question is uh, there are very few studies uh, on the effect of deep fakes uh, and a lot more needs to be done to understand the different uh, and and complex impacts of of, of this technology um uh, so yeah, bef before saying, before qualifying the results, let's say a lot of lot more lot more studies needs to be done. Uh, so the, and and there is an urgent need for them, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, and the reason is uh, what the let's say the hopefully because I, I'm also a technical person, right? So I'm not carrying those those studies on my own, but I understand the importance of these. Um, studies because the output is needed to first of all educate people and raise awareness about the possibility of manipulation and frauds um, because okay on a large scale you can say maybe a fake video of a politician that circulates on the internet can be fact-checked and corrected however a person calling you on the phone uh, with a fake voice of your spouse of your of, or of your kids asking you about something private or where are the keys of the house or a credit card number and a pin and so on uh, 
might also be one of the problems that will occur in the uh, in the future and threaten our uh, security and safety. So educating people is, is is one good reason to do their studies. Developing detection and prevention prevent, prevention techniques is also a very um, um, let's say a very good investment in, in, in this research. Uh, and finally. Um, informing policymakers on why and how they should regulate such technologies in order to prevent prevent their harmful effects because nadia what you say it's a, it's a surprise to me that you say there isn't much research done in this area about the potential implications the implications mm -hmm. can be huge yes i mean what what yeah. to believe if anything you see on the television can be manipulated, if you see a politician speaking, it's... Absolutely, there is a huge risk of both creating uh, cynicism and distrust in society, uh, in addition to all the other harms that we mentioned. Uh, yeah, it was also surprising for me that not, not, not more studies um, have been done. And I think a lot of people are investing um, yeah, a lot of time and research to, to do this kind of research, but it also requires a lot of collaboration and multidisciplinarity, uh, which is something we had within ICDS. Uh, and we had the chance to collaborate with different disciplines. Um, and I think that is also what is needed to, to kind of carry this kind of research. Um, yeah, because from my stand, again, as a as a as a technical person, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I, I couldn't have carried this this research on my own. Before we zoom in on this particular aspect to round off this this earlier segment, uh, may I ask something about? Are you following the U.S. elections, for example? Do you think deep fakes are being used? Have you seen examples? It's hard to say if they're present or not. Uh, and yeah, mentioning that we are also working on a, on a second study right now uh, that uh, deals with uh, political attacks. And we will be doing something related to the US election, but we will do it after the election <laughs> to be on the safe side of the ethical uh, um, points. So um, to answer the question whether they do exist or not, I hadn't seen any, and I don't expect anything to exist in the open circles. But then there is a risk that um, in like smaller groups that I can say we cannot access, for instance, um, yeah, extremist groups uh, where some information circulates without us seeing them. Uh, I think the term for that, uh, a researcher colleague of mine calls it uh, the fringe bubbles, where people who have the same, um, let's say, extreme ideologies communicate between themselves, and this is not this is not um, often visible to, to everyone else. But I wouldn't expect, um, yeah, deepfakes to be circulating in um, in the open web. Let's say. Uh, un unless they are funny ones. And these also have impacts and these also needs to be studied, but it's not uh, as straightforward as, a, as an attack deepfake. 
Yes, because the ones that we have seen, it is like pre-recorded videos that are kind of meshed RP Take Two videos, and you kind of edit them together. And there was one about Joe Biden that he apparently fell asleep during an interview, and it was a mashup of different segments put together. It was not a it was not a deep fake. Yeah. Well, I mean, Andres, in 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 that regard, you see similar things happening in the Dutch political debate as well with. Uh, let's uh, call them unnamed political parties, uh, editing uh, videos from the uh, Tweede Kamer uh, debates. So, yeah. so th what I think is interesting is the difference when it's a deep fake uh, 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 versus just uh, editing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. These are also manipulative videos and they are uh, maybe as harmful as a deep fake, but to stick to the technical definition, I wouldn't qualify them as, as, as deep fakes. Um, but we might, I don't know. We might, we might see them. Uh, they are possible. And if, again, right now, if you invest enough, uh, um, I guess money and effort, you could produce them. Um, but I haven't but apparently seen that, Yeah. And apparently this is not the case then that, that people do not have these tools readily available at their disposal, that it's easy for them to use them. I'm sorry. Otherwise, I didn't get your question. Well, because we, you, you say you haven't seen any deep fakes now used during the U.S. elections, yeah. and is that because the tools are not yet readily available for the people that would like to do those kind of things? I'm not. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, but uh, and again, I'm saying I didn't see any, so I don't know if they exist or not. Um, but that, it, it's it's a very good question. Um, I don't have an exact answer to why aren't they there yet. Um, but yeah. Maybe um, something, I, I don't know where I read it or if I saw it, but is it possible to introduce like a technique to detect if something is a deep fake based on, I, I don't know what, but... Yeah. It, so a lot of tech, a lot of research is 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 done in that um, in that direction. Uh, there are techniques that, um, yeah, using incoherence in um, pixels in a video. Uh, so they they basically train machine learning algorithms or IA algorithms to kind of detect irregularities in in in, in frames of video. Uh, there are also techniques based on, um, I think it's called fingerprints. So when you record video with a device, it leaves certain traces that can be linked to a certain device. And when you manipulate videos, you kind of alter these um, fingerprints. So um, a machine learning algorithm might be able to differentiate um, an original video and the man manipulated video. But all these techniques are still in early stages of development. And uh, yeah, some give it, some are giving uh, hints of um, promising results, but nothing very solid is there yet. But I think we have also a little bit of time before a video totally, uh, let's say, um, tricks a human expert. Um, and at that stage, we will we will really need uh, these these techniques to to kind of 
yeah, fight deep fakes. And um, to fight these deep fakes, uh, there's probably uh, different approaches, strategies uh, to go about. Um, uh, like you said earlier, uh, you might have this society that becomes deeply skeptical of everything they see. Um, to deal with this new part of um, yeah of video media, let's put it that way. Um, do we need to focus on uh, technical solutions like, for example, an algorithm detecting these parts of a video, or is it part of sort of a, um, a digital wisdom that needs to be created amongst society to not just trust videos like we used to trust photographs, for example, and Photoshop sort of made people a little bit more skeptical there as well. Yeah. Is something similar happening with video then as well? Yes, absolutely. I think it's a mixture between um, all these. And skepticism is not a bad thing, but cynicism is. Uh, I think you need to be skeptical towards any information you receive and um, yeah, give it a thought uh, if it's like fake news uh, or if it's biased and so on. So I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think, yes, more education needs to be... Um, and awareness needs to be spread to kind of um, try to yeah, understand if this is fake or not. And again, not only fake videos, but also fake media, such as voice and so on. Uh, so to avoid scams and frauds and so on. Um, but also um, it's a responsibility of, I guess, the media, civil society, but also policymakers and so on. And us as academics and scientists to kind of give tools uh, and um, yeah frameworks to kind of try to mitigate the bad effects of, of, of these technologies, but also re-establish a little bit of trust because trust is needed um, in a functional society in general. Yeah. And I can imagine, like you said, the fact that a phone call can be faked as well might uh, really bring uh, phishing uh, to a next level i mean the emails starting started are starting to get more and more convincing um how about yeah. your boss giving you a call to uh do x for y absolutely you mentioned that the ivir is part of your work that is the uh, legal specialist department at the university are they looking at legal implications of, of this work? What is their involvement? So right now we are still at, the, at, at an early stage uh, that we kind of need to um, give them input on uh, in which contexts these deepfakes are harmful because always in the legal arena and legal scholars are dealing with way more complex let's say, issues than, 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 say, a computer scientist in a sense where censorship and issuing any regulation, trying to regulate media, you can easily fall into, um, um, yeah, censorship and um, limiting freedom of expression, which is something that is absolutely to avoid. That's why you need a lot of information about when are these deep fakes really a threat? Are they really a threat? How are they a threat? And so on. So we, so there are a lot of questions to 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 answer and information to give them before they're able to um, 
to, let's say, develop legal tools to kind of um, fight deepfakes. So that, that that brings me to something that interests me, and I think also you, if I can and can can believe your LinkedIn page, which I of course took a look at. Uh, there you say um, that you're also um, studying um, uh, explainable AI and AI ethics, um, which is a topic I'm interested in as well, but more from the humanity side. What 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 interests me is that you're, you're also someone with, uh, like you said, a technical background, technical um, um, expertise. I can imagine that brings a whole different perspective to that uh, ethical debate, right? Because you become able to test these sort of hypotheses uh, that might otherwise only be um, debated or posed yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a discussion topic. Um, do you think there should be more collaboration there between the ethics and the technical um, aspects? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy about the state of things, uh, and I would say in the Netherlands, and, but specifically also in the University of Amsterdam, where uh, a lot of such collaborations are encouraged. And uh, it, is, it doesn't come without challenges and difficulties. Uh, I remember when I started working here with a multidisciplinary team, we would sit at a table and uh, talk about the same thing using different words or use different terminology to speak about the different things. So it was a lot of um, discussing and going to kind of basics and building a terminology together uh, in order to tackle these issues. So, um, so yeah, multidisciplinary collaboration is a must. Um, and even when you write it, AI and ethics, it has AI and it has ethics. So you need, you need um, people from different disciplines to, to tackle these issues. Yeah, especially seeing as a lot what's happening, what's been happening over the last few years has been these sort of lists of principles that uh, have been developed, which uh, have been a an interesting uh, start. And uh, based on that, I think a lot more is happening now also in testing out different approaches to tackling some of these issues, uh, like, for example, the whole explainable AI uh, question. Um, so I think that that's super interesting to see because there's a, a lot to be added uh, to be added uh, in that collaboration. You're not just discussing in open open air uh, yeah. uh, with non no effects. Uh, Definitely. So the the discussion started from like the philosophical level, which is discussing values. Uh, how, how can we imagine or how do we want society to be in the era of artificial intelligence? Then from those values. Uh, as you as you mentioned, you you kind of develop principles uh, that are more concrete, and then from those principles, there is a collaboration with uh, people from the technical field, but also policy making, to make them practices and products um, in, in artificial intelligence. So um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely a process, and it needs the collaboration of, of these different disciplines, and needs to end up in in clear, um, yeah, as I said, practices and 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 products respecting those principles and values. It's also something that I think uh, it needs to iteratively develop, right? I mean, um, um, uh, sometimes we talk about this idea of an ethicist ethicist as a designer as well. Uh, act actively participating in this pro 
uh, in this process uh, um, instead of just being on the sideline posing principles for someone else to solve. Uh, and I can imagine the same thing coming from your perspective. You know, of course, you're building something that is going to have a societal effect uh, um, that those questions come up as well uh, from that side. And uh, uh, in conversation, you come to new conclusions. Absolutely, very well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think all stakeholders, including users and, and elements of, of civil society should be included in developing those, um, yeah, AI for good or AI for humans. Or <laughs> it, has, it has different names, but, uh, but yeah, I think developing such, um, such tools uh, need, to, need, need to involve all stakeholders from the very beginning. I have a related question. I liked what you said about AI for good. Is there okay? Is there is there is there also a deep fake for good? Can deep fakes be useful? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. You can call them deep fake. It's not a problem because the the word fake is a little bit um, a pejorative word. Uh, but both deep fakes and technologies used in deep fakes. Can be used to do to do a lot of good. Uh, yeah, I, I started saying a little bit about the um, art and entertainment industry, filming, gaming, and so on. So it offers limitless possibilities in terms of visual effects, um, but also safety to, for instance, stunt um, doubles uh, and so on. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if you know the movie Gemini Man, uh, Will Smith. Yes, playing yes. Movie. And, uh, so this, this was not using AI. It was a visual effect that made um, Will Smith play himself and himself 20 years ago. Uh, but it had a very high cost. So using deepfakes there can lower the costs of production and make it accessible to other artists um, who maybe do experimental movies and don't have the same budget. It can also be used in digital memory and history conservation. So uh, recoloring um, old photos to give them more, to, to kind of project more in that, that, uh, that era of time or restoring um, photos with, with a high fidelity. Defect techniques can, can do that. While also creating media products that will um, yeah, bring culture closer to, for instance, kids and education and so on. For instance, if you see, I don't know, you converse with the Mona Lisa or you converse with Einstein or you converse with, with these, um, uh, let's say, historic figures, it has more educational impact on, on kids than just reading history as a, uh, a boring subject. It can also be used in healthcare uh, and mental health, uh, yeah, assisting people at home might be more friendly if they have a voice they know. Um, this is also, this is of course very debatable and needs a lot of um, studying before saying this is a sound technique, but I'm saying it opens possibility um, in that sense. It could help with disability, for instance, recovering voice of people who had um, imperities and kind of lost the ability to speak in loud volume so you can allow them to record their voices um yeah reading aids um and in ia itself um the techniques used in deepfake can be used to do what we call data augmentation which is in simple words is creating data sets to train models uh when data is not 
um, present enough. For instance, um, yeah, techniques used in deepfake are able to create realistic faces of human that do not exist. And we can use this to, for instance, train a face recognition module. Um, yeah, and other, other kind of data can also be created through these um, techniques, including in, image, in uh, medical imagery, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, also creating simulation scenarios in different fields. Um, yeah, I don't know, footage of, of, of an accident, I would say, or of a robbery. Of, you, you can create simulation scenarios using these techniques. Um, and these are only a few examples. I can go on and on. <laughs> Make it a two-hour podcast yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and we have more than enough. Um, super interesting. I think you listed a, a long list of super interesting possibilities um it also relates a bit i think to a project that we interviewed our colleague uh, valerio about in the second podcast uh, where they try to simulate these uh, ct scan data from uh, from patients and uh, yeah augment the data maybe or uh, make it a higher resolution um what what did uh, come up in my mind as you were explaining all these different possibilities of um, and the, the technology behind deepfake to be used to make, for example, these uh, old school avatars, uh, avatars from uh, people from history and that kind of uh, kind of stuff, is um, that it's a new way to um uh, generate content and interaction that's that's not yet known to us so for example if you now would like to have a tv show or a podca podcast so, uh, such as this it uh, still requires quite some man hours uh, put into it to to generate this content uh, which makes it a little bit more difficult to scale uh, in theory i think something like a, like deep fakes if, if taken to the extreme could make the generation of content if it's fake or not doesn't really matter um so low cost and scalable that that might have like a huge societal impact i can imagine um, um yeah Absolutely. I, I'm, it just comes up in my mind like this uh, yeah. wondering yeah, yeah. i mean I guess it's it's a tool you give to creatives, and creatives will always surprise you with what what they can do with it. Uh, but yeah, it 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 offers a lot of possibilities, uh, as I said, for yeah, content creators, artists, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so and the, think about the gaming industry. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and that scalability, and that's maybe where my worry comes from a bit. Also. Mm -hmm usually centralizes uh, uh, power and and uh, and and uh, control over yeah. parts of society right so mm -hmm. it, it, that's uh, yeah. definitely think something uh, at least i worry about sometimes uh, and we probably should society if you ask me at least <laughs> uh, yeah yeah no um, i'm I'm, a, I'm always a firm believer that uh, technology whether it is fire the heat engine contraceptives and uh, the digital technologies are are, are there to kind of uh, or have the potential to uh, to help achieve, as you said, uh, a little bit of form of social justice and like bridging privilege gaps and uh, empowering, let's say, marginalized groups or, or as you said, groups that have less um, and economic power, let's say, than, is, than, than others. Is that something you would also like to work on? Uh, so uh, ways at using your expertise in these kinds of technologies to... Uh, empower these uh, these groups 
Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, a, I'm again a people and, and the technology enthusiast, and, and this is maybe why I'm, after all, I'm doing it. And, and I started doing computer security because I wanted to make, let's say, the digital space uh, a safer place. And then uh, I, I moved a little bit on knowing and thinking that maybe computer security is not enough. And um, of course, it's an essential part, but there are a lot of other ways to, to achieve that. And we're not only working on deep fakes, um, I'm also working in, in, in general in uh, questions related to artificial intelligence and, uh, and ethics. And one of the other problems, for instance, is the uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence algorithms are not able to, um, to verify the quality and trustworthiness of the data they're using, uh, whether it's biased or not, uh, but also whether it's good or not. And one of the ideas I'm working on is to kind of train machines to be more skeptical about the data it is using, but also the sources of data. Um, yeah, malicious users can uh, also, let's say, manipulate uh, algorithms in order, for instance, in a commercial context to promote products and demote other products um yeah. uh, when when dealing with recommender systems so um yeah, so i don't know if, if it, this answers your question yeah no yes. of course i mean it's also uh, uh, interesting to hear a bit what your interests and ambitions are in in that regard uh, um you can use your expertise for so many things and it sounds at least here there's a lot of potential to help solve some societal questions that become Absolutely. more and more urgent every day what will be the next step for you, Nadia? Your next project you'll be working on? Uh, yeah, so that's that's a little bit what I what I what I was just talking about uh, enabling, let's say, um, bias detection or monitoring how artificial intelligence algorithms are working in order to, um, yeah, to to provide moral resilience and solve some of the issues that we are seeing with, uh, yeah, machines being segregating or biased. Uh, I will also continue working a little bit on on, on deep fakes. Uh, I guess it's a let's say if if it was not such a <laughs> scary topic, I would say it's fun to work on. So uh, yeah, we have we have two two experiments that we're trying to build. Uh, one in the context of political attacks, and the other one in the context of hate speech. Um, yeah, to see the, the impact of deep fakes on these two contexts. Really interesting stuff, uh, Nadia. Um, we're reaching the end of the podcast. So uh, one question we always ask is, do you have anything really interesting to share in terms of books we should read or links we should click or pages we should visit? Uh, Netflix series yeah. to watch. I, <laughs> right, I, I, you know, Netflix <laughs> series, we, we talk a lot. Yeah, um, some, yeah, something that that is like fun to watch is I think it's, it's called Derp Fake or something like that. Uh, and it's a YouTube channel that is collecting all the deep fakes exist existing in the internet. And if you go there, you can see very fun or funny deep fakes, but it's not a very serious. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Actually. <laughs> if anyone wond still wonders what a deep fake is, then they should look at the Derp Fake. Uh, yeah. Um, and we can share the link in the in the description of the podcast that everybody can click on it and have at least five minutes of fun. <laughs> yeah. In this cruel world. Yeah, in this cruel world. <laughs> I think I think this was really good. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Anders and Duke, uh, if there are any, any closing questions or... Very, very interesting. 
Thank just, you very much. I was already looking at, at that liar bird that you mentioned earlier. And yeah. also the dark fake. I'm checking out YouTube right away. There are indeed a lot of very interesting deep fake videos that are also quite funny on the YouTube. So it's nice to have some some material that we can reference to to our to our to our listeners. Very, very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. I agree as well. Super inter interesting to talk to you, Nadia. Um, yeah. I think you do very interesting research also combining the the technical and the ethical really um, uh, for me hits the spot. Uh, so really looking forward to what uh, what more will come from you in the future. Uh, yeah, and uh, thank you as well for, for doing this podcast. I think it's very interesting to, uh, yeah, to kind of make the information available and educate the public about different um, questions related to IA and technology. So uh, that's also a cool project. And um, yeah, I wish you best of luck in the making of this series. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you for being on the podcast. That's really great. No worries. Het was weer een leuke aflevering, toch jongens? Was weer een mooie ja, aflevering. Ja, het was top. Ik vind het mooi dat ze, dat ze hier onderzoek naar doet. En ook gewoon het, het op een hele wetenschappelijke manier benadert. Om te kijken, oké, okay, we hebben twee groepen. En hoe, hoe reageren die op die video's? Dan gewoon eens even ja, kijken wat het effect is. Dat, uh... En wat mij opviel, is dat ze zei... Dat ze niet denkt dat er nu in de Amerikaanse verkiezingen... veel of, of gebruik van wordt, van, van wordt gemaakt. Ik heb ze ook nog niet gezien, hè? er is nog niks, want dan, dan wordt het wel meestal breed in de media uitgemeten. Zeker ook de kanalen die wij volgen vanuit ons AI-werk. Ik heb ze ook nog niet langs zien uh, komen. Ik heb ze inderdaad niet echt gezien. Ja, ik, ik vind het ook niet zo heel vreemd opvallend. Ik denk dat wat zij zei, van, het kan best zijn dat dat soort dingen in de niches wel eronder gaan. Ja. En ja, zeker als je nu kijkt naar de Amerikaanse verkiezingen, hoe niet ze deepfake op dat moment. Hè? Nee, precies. Um, <laughs> het is daar al zo uit de verband, ah, uit de verband getrokken. Nou, dat, daar zeg je wat duurt. Maar ja, je hebt eigenlijk een deepfake nodig om het gewoon een beetje gesiviliseerd debat te laten zijn in plaats van... Ja, dat zei ook, Thomas. Dat, ja, geweldig. Precies, het, nou. is, het is al een grote, uh, uh, ja, noem het een comedy, noem het een tragedie. Ja, je kan het niet beter doen. Uh. Ja. Truth is stranger than ja. fiction. Hè? Nee, precies. Ik bedoel, een computer kan dit niet beter doen dan het nu, uh, nu plaatsvindt. Zeg maar. Ja. Ja. maar ik denk dat wel uh, wat uh, uh, Nadia en wij uh, ons daar terecht een beetje zorgen om maken. Je, je, je ziet wel de potentie hiervan in als je kijkt wat voor een uh, low quality fake news nu al de ronde gaat en geloofd wordt. Ja, hoe gaan we als maatschappij om met uh, waarheid, verschillende perspectieven. Um, hè, um, we zijn er niet eens helemaal aan toegekomen, maar ik was ook wel benieuwd hè, hoe dit relateert aan, aan, aan onderzoek. Wat ze ook wel doen naar fotografie bijvoorbeeld. En, en, en gewoon al videobeelden van um, situaties in oorlogsgebieden. Waar je ziet dat een oorlogsfotograaf uh, vanuit een bepaalde hoek een foto maakt. En als je daar dan weer een foto van ziet, dan zie je hoe enorm geframed... Dat beeld al is, dat framen, dat, dat, ja, dat, 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 dat wordt nu nog verder uit het verband getrokken, om het zo maar te zeggen. Ja, het is heel krachtig. Uh, ik vind het wel iets, ja, het is, het is wel iets, uh, uh, het, het geeft mij wel een zorg, ja. denk ik. Zeker um, als je van die dingen, zoals, ik weet niet of jullie die documentaire The Merchants of Doubt kennen. Dat gaat over Netflix. de invloed die wetenschappers, bepaalde, ja, kan je het wetenschappers noemen. Um, uh, mensen met een, een, een wetenschappelijk vocabulair uh, ingehuurd werden door grote partijen om bijvoorbeeld de, de te lobbyen voor de suikerindustrie, de tabaksindustrie, de olieindustrie. 
ja, daar, daar, die, uh, misschien zouden die ook wel helemaal niet schuwen voor dit soort technologieën. Ja, mm-hmm. ik, ik ben wel benieuwd. Nou, wat mij eigenlijk het meeste uh, nou, bang maakt, ja, misschien is dat wel het goede woord. Waar jij begon over phishing e-mails en wat er met de phishing e-mails is gebeurd. Dat, is, dat ging eerst van heel, uh, nou die zag meteen, oh dit is phishing, tot steeds geraffineerder. En op een gegeven moment heb je inderdaad niet eens meer in de gaten omdat het zo slim is. Ik denk op het moment dat mensen dit soort technieken uh, gaan gebruiken en doorkrijgen wat je ermee kan doen. Uh, bijvoorbeeld dat telefoontje wat je kan doen met iemands stem, dat is natuurlijk ontzettend impactvol kan dat, of dat kan heel impactvol zijn en best wel, best wel scary eerlijk gezegd. En interessant dat Nadia zei dat de technologie rondom video vergevorderde is, verder is dan, dan, dan audio. Terwijl met zo'n voorbeeld wat jij nou aangeeft Thomas, de, wat je ermee kan doen, dat is, dat is enorm. Als je iemand zijn stem na kan, na kan bootsen, zeker als je het in real time kan, als je een conversatie kan uh, hebben. Ja, genoeg uh, stof tot nadenken, denk ik. Uh, ook een mooi moment om uh, af te ronden. Voor de mensen die aan het luisteren zijn. Um, heb je vragen of ideeën of goede suggesties voor de volgende gasten? Uh, dan kan je ons natuurlijk mailen op uh, ai-info.surf.nl of surf zit ook op Twitter. Dus als je daar een berichtje achterlaat, dan uh, pak het ook op. Dankjewel voor het luisteren en tot de volgende keer.